Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Ah, bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. (laughs) I'm so grateful to join with you today. Thank you for taking the time to join with me. Transcending time and space by means of this radio show. So grateful that we can do that. Ah, what a blessing. And speaking of blessings, let us start with a blessing. So I'm going to invite you to do as I am doing and to place your hand on your heart. We are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the unlimited, unprecedented flow of divine love and wisdom. We are grateful and we are thankful that there is a wholeness and a holiness that is our natural state, and we're choosing to access it. We're cultivating the willingness to know and to remember our true identity is perfect love, and we are willing to teach only love. Yes, we are grateful and thankful to place our faith in love. We are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to real trust, deep faith, We are grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to live a life uh, rising above the battlefield, opening our hearts, opening our minds to the truth of our being. We are grateful and thankful that our holiness is intact and we are accessing it here and now. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. Yes, yes, yes. A Course of Miracles tells us that there is no problem in any situation that faith will not solve. I love when A Course in Miracles, when Jesus is unequivocal with us, unfaltering, just so clear and crisp. There is no problem in any situation that faith will not solve. Golly gee, isn't that wonderful? I think it is. <laughs> So this is from the section, The Call for Faith, in Chapter 17, Section 7. Now, uh, Chapter 17 is a mighty chapter for me. For me, it really is. So Chapter 17 is Forgiveness and the Holy Relationship. So uh, section five there is the one that I have really gotten so much from and done many, many radio shows around. It's called The Healed Relationship. And I am so blessed. I'm sitting in my family home in Maine, which we rent so that we can afford to hold on to it. And I'm preparing it for the summer the onslaught of renters for the summer. We rent it all year round, but it's booked solid from basically May till um, through September. And um, I, I, we are on this beautiful cove and I just saw it's, it's raining, it's gray, it's foggy, it's windy. And I just saw, we have all these blue herons here and I just saw a blue heron just, fly across the water right in front of me. God is good. Sorry, it took my attention. The Healed Relationship, Section 5 in Chapter 17. So powerful, so beautiful. Like I said, I have done many episodes on that. I'm not going to go into that. 
And then after that, it talks about setting the goal. And the goal for our healing, for our awakening, for our accepting the atonement for ourselves. And we start asking what things are for. What's it for? What is it for? That's a really great question. You know, in my Finding Freedom class, in my Masterful Living year-long course, so Finding Freedom from Fear is my spiritual boot camp class that's uh, based on A Course in Miracles principles. What we do is we take things like this, that there is no problem that faith will not solve, and asking what is it for, and, and really drilling down into a very practical application of A Course in Miracles. I have found that it is amazing how fast we can go from being distressed and self-medicating and feeling afraid and worried and concerned and being controlling and manipulating and all of these different things that I used to experience on a daily basis. When we really apply A Course in Miracles and we really go for it, then we can experience rapid healing. So that's why I designed a boot camp class. You don't have to do it, you know, at boot camp style. You can go slow. You can take months and months. However you want to do it will help you do it. But um, it's these practical applications. So when uh, it says here, in any situation, I'm in Chapter 17, Section 6 now, which is setting the goal, in Paragraph 2, It says, in any situation in which you are uncertain, the first thing to consider very simply is, what do I want to come of this? And what is it for? So let's say, I I talk with a lot of people who are deeply distressed for various reasons. One is that someone they love doesn't matter what kind of a relationship is. Someone they love is not engaging with them. They feel abandoned. They feel they've damaged the relationship or they want to fix the relationship. Something like that. So common. So what do I want to come of this? Now, most people will say, oh, I, I want him to come back or I want her to come back or... Uh, I, I want us to be happy, to be loving, to be peaceful. Well, sometimes we want somebody to come back, but if it's just going to be more of the same, what, what, what is the purpose of that? Well, what's it for, right? What is it for? This is what Jesus is saying is ask your th- yourself these questions, darn it. let's go, let's get some work done here, let's clear some clutter, let's take out some trash. What is it for? What is it for? So if we just want them to come back, what is it for? It's what, to keep us company? To distract us from our misery? What? Let's be clear about it. The clarification of the goal belongs at the beginning, for it is this which will determine the outcome. Yes. Absolutely. So, moving along here to uh, section 7, the call for faith. There is no problem in any situation that faith will not solve. Now, what I'm going to lay out here for you is the pearl beyond price. It really is. So, first of all, just consider that. There is no problem in any situation that faith will not solve. So, what have you been doing to solve your problems? Right. What, what do we do as in this human experience when we're more identified with the ego than with spirit? We are, we're doing things to manage and cope with it, 
right? If we have an illness, we're seeing the experts, not saying any of these things are wrong or bad. No judgment on them. Just looking at, okay, what's really going on here? We start looking for someone outside of us who may be not identified with spirit, identified with their ego. And we're looking for them to help us solve this problem. I don't feel well. I'm feeling progressively ill. We look outside ourselves. We look to experts. Now, maybe some doctors are experts in healing and maybe some aren't. Maybe some are experts in medicine or pharmaceuticals or surgery, but not necessarily in healing. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Because I I went to a doctor's appointment with my mom, went to see the oncologist with her and my dad. And I'm not going to go into the details, but we had a long meeting, asked a ton of questions. And at the end of it, I said, I'd like to summarize what I've heard you say, doctor, just so we can be sure we understand it clearly. And I said, you're saying that There's no changes in my mother's diet and nutrition that would do her any good. Nutrition and diet do not affect the healing of the body. He said, right, that's what I'm saying. I said, and you're saying that exercising or doing anything like that would improve um, her chances of beating this cancer. No fitness regime, nothing like that. He said, that's correct. There's no research to support that. I said, and there's no alternative medicines like um, acupuncture or anything like that, homeopathy that would do any good. No, there's no research to suggest that they're in any way effective. And I said, and like eliminating sugar, things like no, alcohol, no, no, none of that will affect her healing And I said, but you are recommending this chemotherapy that you believe is more likely to hurt her than to help her. And you're doing that because you don't have anything else to offer her at this point. And you can't offer her nothing. So even though it's more likely to hurt her than to help her, you're going to offer that suggestion and that prescription for that chemotherapy. He said, yes, I think you understand the situation. I said, so I'm not actually having a conversation with you. I'm having a conversation with your liability insurance. He said, you seem to have a very clear grasp of what's happening here. He said, the one thing I can tell you, and I will not say this on the record, prayer works, and if you know people who pray, get them praying. So I'm just, I say all that only because I felt guided to by spirit that going back to what's it for, you see, and there is no problem in any situation that faith will not solve, but it's also faith rightly placed, okay? I did not wish to place my faith in his insurance company. No, 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 no. I definitely wasn't placing any faith in chemotherapy. And I am not saying that chemotherapy is not a good way to go for people. It's a case-by-case situation. People have to um, learn to trust their own instincts and their own gut. I knew from my mother that he was right. It was more likely to hurt her than to help her. She took one round and she said, I'd rather die than do that again. So, and she lived for a couple of years after that. So anyway, sometimes there's, not sometimes, there is an inner knowing that we can access when our faith is in God and not in things outside of us. And this is why there's that section in the course about the fear to look within. And I did a radio show on that. I was here in this house. It's one of the things I remember sometimes is where I was sitting when I did an episode. And so that helps me figure out when it was. And I think it was January or February of 2017. 
maybe 2018. The fear to look within. So when we have a fear to look within that's very strong because we think we're a total loser, we think we've, we're not good, we're bad, we're stupid, um, or we have a fear to trust God, we're going to look outside ourselves. So then if we're looking outside ourselves, it's not very complicated. Where's our faith being placed? It's not being placed in God. It's being placed in our ability to figure it out, to manage and cope with it, to find solutions that work for the ego. Because very often the things that work for spirit won't work for the ego and vice versa. I, I see this all the time that people will say to me things like, well, that's not going to work. And I'm like, well, I guess we'll find out because this is my guidance to do it. And then when it works out, they're like, whoa, that's interesting. I remember I took my nephew when he was 13 years old, my oldest nephew, Ben, half his life ago. I took him to um, L.A. He came to L.A. and we went to Universal City and the theme park and we went to um, Legoland and all kinds of adventures. And at the end of the weekend, when I was taking him to the airport, he said, well, I learned one thing. I said, oh, what's that, Ben? He said, well, when you say, I have a feeling, we should just do that, whatever that is. And I, I thought, oh, that's interesting. He, he saw it so clearly demonstrated because I didn't have any intention to teach him about following intuition, but we would be traveling around the uh, amusement parks and different things. And he'd say, oh, I really want to go on this ride again. Let's do that again. Or let's do that. And I'd say, well, I have a feeling if we come back later, there won't be a line. So why don't we go find something that doesn't have a line right now? And he you know, would say, oh, I really want to do it now. Can we wait on the line? Sure, we can wait on the line because what did I care? I'm happy, so happy just to be with Ben. And um, and then there were times when he would listen to me and he would see, oh, yep, this is the way to go. And we'd go back and there'd be no line. So I, I didn't have a thought about teaching it to him. But that, you see, my intuition, I've learned to have faith in it. I've learned to have faith in it. I didn't have any faith in my intuition when I was younger. When I was younger, I, I so distinctly remember, oh, probably 50,000 times, quite literally, um, throughout my life where I would be getting upset and starting to argue uh, that my intuition, my higher Holy Spirit self, guardian angel, whatever you want to call it, the mighty I am presence works for me. Jesus doesn't matter. It's all to me, that infinite field of perfect love. I would feel that still small voice. Somebody could say they hear it. I would hear it, feel it, sense it, however, and saying, calm down. It's not that bad. You don't need to say anything. Walk away. Walk away. Calm down. Come back later. But being so identified with the ego, I thought that my power was to control and manipulate through the use of my upset. I will threaten you with my upset in order to manipulate you to do what I want. And I see some um, folks I know, their children or grandchildren have really mastered that art because the parents in the um, quest to be loving are not setting boundaries and um, clear guidelines that they're sticking to because they're all over the place. So they're teaching their children that and the children freak out. They're angry, 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 angry because their parents don't have clear boundaries. So it's so funny. I never had any thought that any of this would ever come up in this topic 
about faith. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee here. So when we put our faith in somebody else's ego, it's still the ego. Ego is undependable. One of the things that happens is we put our faith in somebody else's ego and they do what ego does. It creates dysfunction and mess and confusion. And what happens? Upset, distress, mess and distress. That's what the ego is an expert at. Mess and distress, divisiveness, confusion. So when people are identified with the ego and they operate in that way, it's on a certain level, it's really not fair to be upset with them. They're like a fish caught on a hook. They don't know what's actually occurring. They don't know how to unhook themselves. They're running the patterns based on their beliefs. And all of it is designed to help them see that these beliefs are false. All of it is designed to help them see that love is the way. Fear is not the way. Separation is not the way. Lack, attack, limitation, separation. These are not the way. There is a way and love is the way. The power of love operating in our hearts can heal anything. Those who really love are invulnerable. So there is no problem in any situation that faith in God, in love, will not solve. I've said uh, a few times recently, if you're not solving the problem with love, the problem will not be solved. So there is no problem in any situation that faith will not solve. In each and every moment, we are placing our faith and trust in something. We are. And so we're either putting it in ego or spirit because there's no other choice. Not that ego is real, of course, but this, it, the, with the appearance of duality, that's what we experience. It seems like the ego is real. So when we place our faith in other people's egos and we get disappointment, disappointed, look, Save yourself a tremendous amount of time, energy, money, agita, frustration, disappointment. If you place your faith in somebody else's ego and don't intend to be disappointed, then what are you doing? Why place your faith in somebody else's ego when only disappointment can come of it, right? It's like you're, you're poking yourself with a stick, a sharp stick, and you're getting hurt by it. Well, stop poking yourself with a sharp stick. When we place our faith in other people's egos, we are going to be disappointed because we have expectations. Our ego is invested in their ego. It doesn't matter whether it's at work, it's at home, wherever it is. The endless disappointments come from expectations of ego. Well, ego is designed to disappoint. It is not designed to succeed. It cannot succeed. What ego can do is it can give us the appearance of success. So it can give us the appearance of wealth and success and talent and, and wisdom and uh, heart and all of these things. But ego doesn't include any of those things. It, it never will. Only spirit does.
So I'm getting ready to take a break here. And as I go to the break, I'm going to invite you to consider my um, Finding Freedom Spiritual Boot Camp class. Uh, it's with A Course in Miracles Principles. So it's this practical application. And um, I am opening, uh, registration just opened. We're going to start uh, June 6th, I believe is the date. And the first thing to do right now is it's totally free to do a group goal setting session group goal setting session to find out really is finding freedom right for you right now. So you can go to jenniferhadley.com to the events page. You'll see around the site, the ads for finding freedom from fear and you can get going that way. All right. I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. I'm so happy to join with you. Yes, yes, yes. Grateful, grateful, grateful. So, we're talking about faith and increasing our faith. So, I I needed to share all that in the beginning part because if we're increasing our faith in the ego, well, that that's crazy. But sometimes we can't tell if it's ego or if it's spirit. So this is actually one of the most asked questions that I get is how can you tell whether it's ego or spirit? How can you know which is which? Well, it's actually not that difficult. Uh, it's actually incredibly simple, but the question is, will you practice an awareness of it? So people often doubt their intuition uh, because they don't wish to follow it. And learning to follow your intuition, your guidance, that still small voice, the Holy Spirit, higher Holy Spirit self, whatever you'd like to call it, that, that is a, a learned skill. Uh, and it's, it is, in a sense, like riding a bike. Once you really learn to do it, then you've got it. You don't have to keep relearning it. And that's, whew, that's nice, isn't it? I think so. So, <laughs> because I get better and better at it all the time. One of my my sweet friends, Gina, um, almost uh, she lives in Greece. So uh, we ping each other, as I do with many of my friends. We ping each other on WhatsApp or text message. Is now a good time to talk? You know, it used to be you just pick up the phone, but now we we can actually go back and forth and make a time to talk like that. So um, I'll ping her and say, is now a good time to talk? Or can you talk later today or something? And she'll be, oh, my God, I was just thinking of you. Well, I turn on my thinking of Gina thoughts um, because we share the same mind and she's very intuitive as well. Boom. Message received, message sent, message received. Time, distance, language even, none of those things make any difference. So this is how life is. There are no private thoughts. And we start to really recognize that when um, when we're tuning in. We start to see that we can broadcast love or we can broadcast something else. And we can pretend to be loving but not be loving. And the, the, 
Truth will be received. It will be known by those who wish to know it. So here's another thing about faith and trust is that many times when I have counseling sessions with people who are going through a difficult breakup, which I do a fair amount of, um, people almost invariably, especially if it's been going on for a couple of years and the breakup is very acrimonious, there's a lot of anger and resentment and hurt and fear and stuff like that. Um, When we look deeply into it, uh, which some people are willing to do, some people aren't, I find that those who are interested in working with me are really willing because why would they come to me? Uh, I am I like I, I I don't have time to do 20 sessions with people because I have a whole ministry to run. So I would like to help them as quickly as possible. And by the way, I'm just going to make a plug for something here, free counseling, free spiritual counseling. Or Actually, I'm going to rephrase that. Donation basis, spiritual counseling. If you go to jenniferhadley.com and you go to the counseling page, uh, you can probably Google jenniferhadley.com counselors. I am training spiritual counselors. I've been training spiritual counselors since 2014, so for the last five years. And I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. I am... So grateful for these beautiful people who have said yes to developing their counseling skills. And people use them in all different ways and forms. Um, Some people are teachers. Some people are attorneys. Some people are business people, even tax people, um, realtors. All kinds of people use this training to become more adept at their relationships Uh, more adept at working with clients, uh, doctors, medical doctors, dentists, all kinds of people have done this training. Um, And it's, I have a certification program. And for those who are in the certification program, uh, they have to do 111 sessions with evaluations. So they actually... Uh, most of them, but not all of them, are looking for people who would like to have spiritual counseling. And we do it on a donation basis. So you can ask Spirit, what am I to donate here? And follow Spirit's guidance and make that donation. Uh, And you can have a beautiful, effective, helpful counseling session with any one of these people listed on the site there. And some of the counselors are already certified and we're getting ready to certify a few more. And as people become certified, then um, they, they may or may not work on a donation basis. But all the ones who are in the training, I require that they make themselves available to, uh, if they wish to make themselves available to my referrals, then those are they handle on a donation basis so um there it's a win-win you can have low-cost spiritual counseling with someone in training and they can get their hours in and be truly helpful so i just really encourage you to take advantage of that Uh, more and more counselors are entering the certification program So we've got more and more counselors, a great diversity of counselors, all kinds of backgrounds. Read their their, um, bios there and look at their pictures and see who is spirit guiding you to. I really encourage you to do that. It's a wonderful resource. If you're interested in being a counselor or getting some uh, training, I have two programs, the certification program I just told you about, and then there's my spiritual counseling training intensive, which is a week-long in-person program. And uh, I am doing the only one this year and probably the only one until the fall of 2020, this October, 
and it's in uh, upstate New York in uh, near the Catskills in Hudson Valley uh, at a beautiful, beautiful resort where I just did a retreat. It's a really lovely space and place, and it's going to be fantastic to be there with the fall foliage, and you could bring your partner with you. They can enjoy the resorts. You can do the training. It is an intensive training. It's very deeply healing personally. It's a lot of fun. Many people have said it's one of the best things they ever did in their whole life, and so I just really encourage you, if you feel called at all, to deepen your faith and trust in God. Believe it or not, this spiritual counseling training intensive, that is one of the main goals. Increasing your intuitive flow, being able to recognize your intuition, being able to to have the guts to follow that still small voice and to really develop a deep, deep connected relationship with spirit. Because you can't be an effective spiritual counselor without that. That's baseline. So we, it's an intensive, so we do a huge amount of clearing and healing uh, in that week. It is, uh, a number of people have had actual physical healings of chronic illness issues uh, because they've done so much clearing and healing during that week-long intensive. Again, only one this year will not be another one until the fall of 2020. So let's let's get in there. Let's do the work. Let's go for it. I'm all in. I'm inviting you. So that still small voice, recognizing it is, is again, it's simple, but do you want to? Do you want to? That's the main thing. Is it your heart's desire to be that connected with spirit that you will do what spirit's guiding you to, even if it doesn't make sense to your ego. I do these things all the time. It's one of the reasons why uh, I have so much fun hanging out with other spiritual teachers who are living this way, living the principles of A Course in Miracles, because we have all these wonderful stories of just like, oh my God, check this out. Uh, <laughs> spirit said do this, and I did it. And it worked. <laughs> I mean, it's outrageous sometimes how rock and cool God is. It just, oh, it's amazing. It's amazing, amazing. So the still small voice is that voice of intuition. It, sometimes it does become quite insistent but it never is judgmental. It's never emotional. It never has an emotional tenor. Even when I've had it say to me, watch out, because I wasn't looking in traffic. I actually once heard an actual voice come through my headphones. I was listening to music and I heard a voice that was not in the music come through the headphones and say, watch out, because I was crossing the street but not paying close attention so but even then there was like um there's no emotion to it it was just clear and loud clear and loud so but most of the time that voice of intuition or that feeling of intuition that uh, visualization of intuition because many people are clairvoyant and get images and things like that. Many times that will um, be brushed aside by people because it's not emotional, because it's not loud and it doesn't have an attitude and it's not judgmental. So, for instance, let's say someone is um, thinking of leaving a marriage. This is just what I'm being given right now. So I've learned to follow whatever I'm being given right now because it's for somebody. It's always for somebody. I don't know who, but it's for somebody. And the way your intuition is presenting it is you won't 
ever be happy in this marriage. You won't ever be happy in this marriage. You won't ever be happy in this marriage. Just like that. It's whether you feel it or there's some visual that you get or it's something you hear, seem to hear, think, however it's coming to you, it's going to be emotionless. There's no judgment. So you'll never be happy in this marriage. There's no like, hey, hey, wake up, loser. You're never going to be happy in this marriage. There's none of that. It's just quiet. Simple, still, clear, letting you know you'll never be happy in this marriage. So we have free will in this world. We can choose what we like. Going back to developing faith and having a great faith, increasing your faith. I like to give people practices that they can do. It's up to you whether you're going to do it or not. But these are always the practices that I do or that I have done. Begin to really notice whenever you're upset, because you're never upset for the reason you think, be willing to just ask, okay, spirit, I'm never upset for the reason I think. So what am I really upset about? What am I really upset about? And the first thought that comes to my mind to share is for years and years and years, for decades, actually, I thought I was upset because my mother this, my mother that, and my father, this and that, things they did do, things they didn't do. And my mother and I had a difficult relationship, loved each other, had a hard time relating, but in the last few years of her life, I made this deep commitment. Once I found out she had a terminal cancer diagnosis, I made a deep commitment to myself, to God, to her. I didn't say it to her, but I made a decision that she was not going to leave this world without us being at peace, that I was going to do everything I could do. And I didn't know what to do because if I knew what to do, I would have already done it. But I decided I am going all in for spirit on this, and I, I'm going to get her done. Get her done. This is happening. It's on. It's on like Donkey Kong or <laughs> some kind of hallelujah, holy Donkey Kong. So <laughs> um, I, I made up my mind. I will not be moved from this. This is happening. It will be done because I knew it was God's will that we would be at peace when she made her transition, whenever that was. And I was wholly committed to it being whatever the divine timing was. So in that practice, and it took me quite a while to see it, but in the practice of asking what's really going on here, what is this really for? What does this really mean? Through that practice of consistently giving over to the Holy Spirit the meaning I had made of things, my interpretations, my past decisions about what's good and bad and what's right and wrong, all those opinions and judgments, starting to really question, what is it for? What is it for? Remember Lesson 25, I do not know what anything is for. My most helpful lessons. I do not know what anything is for. That was super, super helpful to me. It still is helpful to me because I don't know what things are for when I'm upset. When I'm upset, I think I know, but I am wrong. 
100% of the time when I am upset and I think I know what things are for, I am not correct. I have lost my mind. I am dysfunctional. So I don't know what anything is for. It was like a release valve for my ego. I don't know what anything is for. Okay. So if I don't know what anything is for and everything is gently planned for me by one whose only purpose is my good, well, then I can say, what's it for? It's for my good. Clearly got to be for my good. I can accept that. I can accept my good. I learned to accept my good. So with my mother, it took me probably, oh, I don't know. It may even have been after she passed. But I finally realized, and this is the kind of thing that compels me to share, because I looked so hard and it took me so long to find it. But I finally realized through my practice of self-forgiveness that, OMG, all this time, my entire life, really, I've been holding grievances against my mother when what I'm really upset about here is that I was withholding love from her. And love is the healer. Love could have healed all those situations. But I was withholding love for, from her. I used love to manipulate and control, or I tried to. That's why I felt so guilty. That's why I was so angry. That's why it was all so upsetting to me. It took me so long to see that. You see, my faith was in my own pronouncements, judgments, and opinions. So no more putting our faith in the ego. Let's make a pact on that. Let's put our faith in God, in spirit. And the way to do that is to put it in love. Put the faith in love and prove that faith in love works. So... In uh, chapter four, very last paragraph in chapter four, it says, the truly helpful are invulnerable because they are not protecting their egos and so nothing can hurt them. Yep. The truly helpful are invulnerable because they are not protecting their egos And so nothing can hurt them. (sighs) So powerful. Yes, it is. So there's nothing, there is no problem in any situation that faith will not solve. If we place our faith in love, one of the challenges is that we doubt. We doubt. And we, we place our faith in love, and then we change our minds. Place our faith in love, and then we change our minds. Place our faith in love, and then we change our minds. So this is the wackadoo way in which we oscillate back and forth. And the reason why we often feel afraid is because of this. We think that we feel so vulnerable because people are attacking us. But no, we're, it's when our mind is not a safe space for everyone, then we feel the world is not safe. We make the world real and we've made it against us. But that's not how this life really is. In um, chapter 17, going back to chapter 17, this time section one, 
which is entitled Bringing Fantasy to Truth. It says uh, in the introduction, paragraph three, it says here, very simply, your lack of faith in the power that heals all pain arises from your wish to retain some aspects of reality for fantasy. So we have a lack of faith in the power that heals all pain. Why? Why would we do that? When we, What's it for, right? Let's ask that question. What's it for? We're looking outside ourselves for the answer. It's all about we made this world... And we cherish it because we made it. We made all the rules that apply. We cherish them because we we made them. It's in order to have true healing, we have to stop being the boss of our world. Remember, perception is projection. So number one thing here, I think I'm going to do next week's episode on this as well, this topic. It's so rich. Number one thing here is start to ask, what's it for? Where am I placing my faith? That's going to bring a great, great healing. Start to focus on when you feel disappointed. It's not about somebody else. It's about you and your expectations. Where did they come from? What's that about? Self-healing, my friends. Let's do it. My Finding Freedom from Fear Boot Camp is coming up. I haven't done it in about eight months. I'm not sure when I'll do the next one. Let's get in there. Let's get her done. Now's the time. Sign up for one of the goal-setting sessions. They're free. They're available right now. And people love them. Come do them and get clear about whether or not my Finding Freedom from Fear Boot Camp is right for you right now. If you really would like to apply these principles and transform Uh, situations and have a greater intuition and clarity about spirit. Thank you to all the people who donate to make free classes and radio shows and all the different things that we offer available. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It makes a difference. I love and appreciate you. I really do. And Let's say a prayer. I'm so grateful and thankful for the love of God shining in our hearts and minds now and forevermore. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. We let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Have a great rest of your week. I love you.